here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome back to the second episode of the Brit Rest Roundtable, backed by popular demand of at least four people saying they'd be interested in listening again. This episode, it's me, uh, Rob Reed, and with me is Ollie Court. Hey there, Rob. Um, Arnold isn't here this episode, he's uh, going through a somewhat of a week of hell at work, uh, so you'll have to uh, struggle through with just the two of us for this week. Uh, but we've got, a, we've got a loaded show, lots and lots of uh, shows up and down the country, uh, and lots to talk about in general. We're going to kick things off by talking about um, actually a show that isn't taking place in the the UK. One of the biggest events of the summer over in the US Indies um, is occurring uh, over the next few days on between the 28th and 30th of August, uh, and that's the uh, PWG's Battle of Los Angeles. And we're going to be talking about uh, that this episode due to the heavy European uh, involvement uh, in the uh, tournament participants. On, in the roster, Will Ospreay's gonna be over there, as well as Marty Skirl, uh, Mark Andrews, um, Drew Galloway, Tommy End, and Zack Sabre Jr. Loaded lineup. Very excited for all the matches they're gonna be involved in. Uh, should we talk about each guy in order and see what they can bring to the table? See what, uh, US fans who've never seen them before can expect from them? Yeah. Uh, so if we start off with Will Ospreay, um, you, you, if you listen to the previous episode, you probably heard, um, all three of us rant about how good he is. Um, he, for me, he's, he's my favorite wrestler on the, the UK scene at the moment and someone I'm very much, uh, excited to see how he's going to, uh, do over on the bigger stage, uh, over at Bowler. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree that he's my favorite as well. Like, he just, he leaps off the page, and, like, he's immediately spectacular, is how i describe him. So I think a new crowd, any new crowd all around the world will take to him instantly. I think he's going to really thrive uh, in the PWG environment where it can get a bit spot-festy, but it's generally about uh, pulling off really awesome moves and having a bit of a party. And I think Osprey's style, more than any of these guys, even more than Zack Sabre Jr., who's already established there, I think will thrive in that environment. Definitely. Um, for, for those not familiar, um, which I imagine will be a, a, a fair portion of you, Will Ospreay is primarily a high flyer, um, but in recent years he's very much rounded out his game. Oh, yeah. um, 
similar to the way Ricochet or uh, Matt Seidel has, um, where their uh, their big spots are almost all high-flying moves, and they're some of the best high-flyers in the world, but they're not just about the uh, the dives and the spots and such. Mm, I think, like, he's really gotten the psychology of wrestling down pat this year. Like, over the last year, he's really evolved from just, like, a, a really awesome high-flyer to someone who's genuinely a great all-rounder and a feature main eventer, I think, on a really in a really big company. Definitely. Uh, the second guy, uh, as previously mentioned, is Marty Skrull. You may know him if you uh, are a, uh, follow TNA closely um, as one of the participants in the first edition of the British boot camp. Seems like a long time ago now. Yeah, but he's he's really uh, come on since then. He's he's more of a ground-based um, wrestler compared to Osprey, um, with a very uh, very strong technical base uh, that makes up the core of his matches, um, and and may be best known uh, for being the partner of uh, Zack Saber Jr. as part of the uh, leaders of the New School. Mm-hmm. I think uh, in the last year again, Skull's really like grown as a performer. He's gotten his villain character. He's like donned the sunglasses and the top knot and really like found himself a niche something that he didn't have when he was in TNA in 2012 when he was just a kind of generic happy-go-lucky guy um but now I think with his strong character he can really win over some fans in the US one of the big advantages Marty has is as soon as you see him in his um present incarnation uh he really stands out he's got a very well-defined look yeah, definitely. More so than a guy like Osprey, who you really have to see in the ring, and then he's going to win you over. Marty can get you right from the off. As soon as you see him, as soon as he walks through that curtain, he's got this crazy look. Um, <laughs> and I, I just imagine that the PWG crowd is going to take to him instantly. Oh yeah, they're going to go. Uh, they're going to love his entrance, that's for sure. And once he gets in the ring, he can more than deliver there as well, and he has been doing for quite some time. Um. Some of the criticisms of Skrull uh, have been that he does very much work to his opponent's level, but uh, with this this year's bowler lineup being so strong, similar to last year's, I don't really feel that's going to be too much of a um, too much of a hindrance for him. Mm-hmm. I think he'll absolutely bring it. Like, there's no way he's going to tone it down in PWG. Third uh, British guy who uh, is primarily been seen on the British scene you might not be as familiar with, is uh, Mark Andrews. Again, he, uh, he's he been doing work recently with TNA, um, although with the diminishing viewership of TNA, you might not have actually seen him. Uh, but this, for me, is really a chance for Andrews to um, really show what he can do without the handcuffs that TNA have put on him over in the US. Because he he really hasn't had much of a chance to um uh to to show himself at his best uh in his recent TNA run. Mm, I don't even watch TNA anymore, but uh I don't even know if they've even had him in a singles match yet. I think he's just been working like X Division three ways, six ways, however many ways, but he hasn't really had a chance to shine and put a good match together on his resume. Uh, in many ways, um, Mark Andrews can kind of be viewed as a prototype Will Ospreay, 
um, a few years ago before he went over um, and got this, well, it was supposed to be a full-time gig with TNA, but no one's really full-time <laughs> with TNA at this point. Um, he he was very much in the position of the, the young and upcoming high flyer that the UK scene was very hot about. I don't personally feel that he's quite on the level of Osprey now, um, but he is very good, and this this is a great opportunity for him, and he really could, um, after a year or two in TNA of, and losing any buzz he really had, <laughs> he really could um, propel himself back into the uh, the minds of many fans as a top guy. Going into TNA is almost like a death sentence these days. Uh, he might be lucky and it might die on its own, so he might be freed from that. <laughs> um, but he's he has sort of been usurped by Will Ospreay, especially now that he's in America and isn't on the British scene full time. Like Osprey almost seems like a better Mark Andrews in some ways, and I think this is this match against Osprey on night one is a good chance for him to uh, show the world that he isn't just the the worst Will Ospreay, but he can hang, be different, and produce something of his own. Going on to the matches that these guys are going to be having, um, Will Osprey and Mark Andrews, two of the British guys, are going to be facing each other on night one, as you said. Uh, this is a match that this happened several times over on the UK scene uh, from a year or two back, mm-hmm. and these two really know each other well. Um, they had, I think, they had two fantastic matches in progress together. They had one uh, in February in uh, Southside in uh, Kent. Yeah, and uh, from what I've seen, I haven't seen all of their matches together, but the matches I have seen of them together, they've always delivered. In some ways, I was kind of disappointed to see that these two were facing each other in the first round of uh, Bola. I was looking forward to uh, seeing them get a chance to work with some fresh opponents, and um, with them facing each other in the first round, one of them's going to have to go out first round, and that will mean we're not going to see a fresh singles match from one of them. Yeah. I think the, the general uh, reason for the match is to show them at their best with an opponent that they know, with an opponent they've wrestled several times in good matches before. You know, put the best foot forward rather than put them with someone they might not be able to work with that well. Yeah, so there's definitely positives and negatives for that. Who do you expect to advance in this uh, all-British first-round match? Mm, I'd probably say Osprey, simply from a British perspective, but uh, in America they may know Andrews better, they may think more highly of him. I'm, I'm not inside the mind of uh, the PWG booking, but yeah, I'd say Osprey. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking as well. He, he seems to have a lot more buzz going in. You know, He's been working with guys like Styles and Seidel, over on the uh, British scene and having blow-away matches where they're getting international buzz, um, while Andrews is kind of going in cold. Not completely his fault, but later on in that uh, night, uh, the first night of Bola, um, we're going to see the uh, three of the other UK or European guys uh, go against um, Mount uh, the newly formed Mount Rushmore 2.0. Um, this is going to be, I think this is the main event, or it might be the semi-main event, I'm not sure. Sounds like a main event matchup, I think. Similar to the, the match last year, I think it was the main event of the uh, first night of Bola, which saw um, Zach at 
Taylor and Omega faced, I think it was Mount Rushmore at the time, um, the first incarnation, and that, that really was a match that launched uh, Zack in PWG. Uh, this one sees uh, Marty Skrull, uh, Zack Sabre Jr., so the two together being the leaders yep. of the new school, and uh, teaming with Tommy End, who has had a few appearances in PWG uh, so far, but for me hasn't really been able to show fully what what he's all about. No. I think this could be a breakout um, match for him. Yeah, this is much better suit for him. And they're going up against uh, the Young Bucks and Roderick Strong. I mean, it's a fantastic matchup. A dream team versus dream team kind of thing. Um, I think Young Bucks versus leaders of the new school is something everyone wants to see. Throw in Strong, throw in End, uh, who had a great match in progress. Uh, yeah, it's just going to be a mental six-man. And definitely, as you say, it's a good chance for Tommy N to re-establish himself and Skrull to show exactly what he can do. And he's in there with Zack Sabre, uh, which will help him. Yeah. Um, a lot of what I've seen from End on the, the US scene has been the uh, the grappling style, the uh, grapple fuck. I think Drew Gulak calls it catchpoint wrestling. Um, he, he's been placed into a lot of those matches and for me that's not really where I, where he excels i think this is really going to be an opportunity um for him to be a part of a crazy fast-paced mm-hmm. sprint where he he gets to throw loads of his amazing looking kick i think he uh i think he's a better tag team wrestler than he is a singles wrestler so that'll help i mean like, like you say his striking is just phenomenal he's probably the best in the world yeah totally this is definitely a match that that suits all six guys in here. Um, this is maybe the match I'm most looking forward to um, from the matches announced from Bola so far. Obviously, there's all the uh, second round and on matches are yet to um, are yet to be determined. But uh, from from what's been announced, this is the real standout for me. Well, I'd go uh, the last singles match we're going to talk about in night two, but uh, we'll get to that in a moment. Speaking of night two, uh, run down the matches for the European guys there, starting with Marty Skrull versus Rich Swan. This is um, this is an interesting match for me because Rich Swan, while I do enjoy him, particularly as part of a uh, tag team, he is someone who maybe not carried is the right word, but I often feel he has to be led to a good singles match. And we had previously been mentioning how Skull often performs up or down to his opponent. This this wasn't wouldn't have been the first round match I'd have chosen. No, I can't think. see their styles meshing too well together. I think it'll be very indie-rific, if that makes any sense. Um, but they're both very charismatic. They can obviously put together a good match. So we'll see what they can do. Yeah, Swan's best favoured... Uh, uh, Swan's best matches in general are when he's in there with someone who can throw him around. And I guess Marty could do that, but it's not really his forte. Um, he's very good with Johnny Gargano, so if Marty Skull can become Johnny Gargano for a night, then <laughs> we'll see what happens. I mean, he, he could surprise us. It's obviously a huge opportunity for him, so he's going to be Definitely. going out there and giving his 110%. But... um. 
I hope, while I'm not the biggest fan of uh, Skrull, um, I, I do like him a lot, but there are people who are higher than him on me, I do hope he advances here, because if he does go out first round um, against Swan, I don't think you'll really see get to see the best. No, I think Swan, uh, he's not protected at all in the booking, so he can easily take a loss here, and Skrull can move on to another feature match. Yeah, it's very much a match uh, Skrull can win. Uh, which, which in that sense is, is mm-hmm. good. Uh, the second match, uh, that we're gonna talk about, Jugulak versus Tommy End. Yeah, so as I was, uh, just mentioning, um, this is gonna likely be yeah. one of the grappling matches. And while a lot of people do like that style, I'm not personally one of them, but more than, more than just personal taste, the grappling style doesn't quite seem to be working in PWG. Yeah, you get to, uh, it doesn't seem get to, to the golf claps. Uh, I think there's a way of doing the grappling in a charismatic way, in an interesting way, that Zack Sabre Jr. does, which I eat up. Like, the way Sabre Jr. builds his matches logically. And he has exciting bits as well, but generally it's ground-based grappling, but it's not grapple-fucking, if that makes any sense. You know, like, the grapple-fucking is very... It's very boring. <laughs> Like, there's no injection of personality into it until suddenly at the end they're, like, bonking each other on the head and one of them wins. It doesn't do anything for me. So hopefully they can do something a little bit different to that. I think Gulak is the best of those guys at, in terms of being able to deliver deliver an actual match rather than just rolling around in dojo walls. Mm, I think I prefer Busek slightly, but... Gulak has had matches I've enjoyed. Oh yeah, I'm confusing Gulak with Busek. No, Gulak's the worst for it. <laughs> <laughs> Gulak has had matches I enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed his match a lot with Gargano. I can't remember which Evolve show it was, but he he can uh, be very good when put in there with. Well, I, I I can enjoy him quite a lot when put in there with someone who who isn't someone who works that that style and kind of pulls more of a traditional indie match out of him. Um, many people would say that's not pe- playing to his strengths and that they prefer that thing, but for me personally, I'm not someone who particularly enjoys that style. But I think Tommy's, maybe Tommy, one of Tommy's problems is that he's just good enough at that style that when he's in there with a Gulak or a Busek or a, a Thatcher, he's going to have a match of that style rather than someone like Gargano, who when put in there with a Gulak pulls Gulak out of his shell into close to Gargano style. Mm-hmm. I think End just needs to throw some knees, throw some strikes, pop the crowd. Like that usually works. <laughs> uh, I'm not think I'm not expecting too much from this match. So, uh, and again, I'm really hoping End advances here because if he does go out first round, it it you're not gonna. I don't think you're gonna see the best of End of what yeah, End has that would be a bummer. Similar to Skull. I think he will advance. I think uh, he has slightly more uh, hold in the hierarchy in PWG than Gulak. Uh, should we move on to match three? Yep. So the next um, the next match with one of the European guys is a guy we didn't really cover right at the beginning because uh, you're all going to be familiar with him from his days in WWE. Uh, that's uh, Drew Galloway, the uh, former Drew McIntyre, as I'm sure you all know, uh, going up against Mike Bailey. 
What do you think of this match? Mike Bailey. I haven't seen too much of him, so I don't know. Don't have a big opinion. I've seen like a couple of matches from this year, but nothing more. Um, but I know that they're trying to build him up, and Galloway would be a big scalp. So I'd say Mike Bailey to win this one. Um, but I'm not really in the the hot seat to give an informed opinion on this one. I enjoy Bailey quite a lot. Um, when he's in there with another guy who wrestles what I describe as a very yeah, easy style, it, it can get it can get as you mentioned earlier for another match very indie-rific. But um, Galloway's a guy who can really throw Bailey around. He's you know what what when Galloway came to the back to the indies. The big thing I really noticed was just how large the guy was, uh, in comparison to a lot of these indie guys. Uh, and his best matches have been when he's, he's just been able to toss around his opponent. And Bailey's of a size and of a flyer, um, a flying style, that, that that's really gonna work. Um, I could see this match very much being a breakout performance. For um, for Bailey, I, I mean, Bailey's had breakout performances in PWG already. Many would say, but this this could really be um, that big mm-hmm. big win. As you said, Galloway does does seem very much set up as a um, as a stepping stone for Bailey, who seems to be about to be pushed heavily in yeah, PWG. I, so. um, I, I I Galloway's not a a regular in PWG. Feels to me like they're just bringing him in for this this tournament, so it seems tailor made to put mm-hmm. over Bailey here. <laughs> I think we've watched too many wrestling tournaments here. <laughs> we know the the tropes. Okay, should we get to the final match? I'm very excited for this one. Uh, Ricochet versus Zack Saber Junior, the dream match. It's very intriguing. I'm not entirely sure how the, the two styles are going to mesh because they're very different styles. But these two guys are so good, I can't imagine it being anything but... Well, they had uh, the freeway with Mark Haskins in progress, which I watched a couple of weeks ago, to get hyped for this one. Oh, yes. Yes, I'd forgotten about that. That was um, one of my favourite matches oh, yeah, in definitely. progress history. Yeah, that was fantastic. It's an excellent match. Uh, everyone should go and see it. And th- those two guys were very good back then. They're even better now. So I think they can work some real magic in this one. Ricochet, as um, we, we seem to be talking about indie wrestling a lot at this point already, but Ricochet now and again does have a, a tendency to get that way. But with, with a, an opponent like Zach, you, I think you're really going to see the um, that side of him toned down. Um, you're going to see a more story yeah, definitely. for the match. But I think Ricochet is probably going to work towards Sabre's style, simply because Sabre can't work towards Ricochet's style in the same way. Um, and yeah, they'll both have a lot to prove. I assume this will be very high up the card on night two, and I I think it will blow everyone away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you've seen a lot of um over the last year or two, um, a lot of people over in the US have become uh, familiar with Zach, but for me, this tournament really feels like it could be taking him to the next level over on the US Indies, where he goes from 
a special European attraction who's bound to put on good matches to um, a main eventer, uh, a main event level mm-hmm. indie talent in his own right, not just because he's a special Well, I was thinking attraction. about this uh, last week, and like when Zack Sabre Jr. lost in his Evolve title match, and I'm just thinking how he's always the bridesmaid everywhere he goes. Like, he lost the junior, the Noah Junior League as well when he was leading that, like, the whole way through and then, like, lost a shitty match in the last night, uh, to lose his block. And, like, I'm just thinking, is this the tournament where Sabre Junior stops, like, floating around, like, he goes to Noah, he goes to PWG, he goes to Evolve, and, like, is this a tournament where he becomes, not that he can't go to Japan anymore, but does he, become more of a PWG guy specifically and is that is this tournament here to make him that I mean the way the matches have been set up with him in the first ma- first round against Ricochet last year's winner and I have to imagine he's winning yeah. here like as strange as that sounds saying that last year's winner is going to go out in the first round it does just feel uh, like that's the way they're going to uh, go I, I, I would agree with um, that I think again like the big not an upset, but a big win to set up Sabre Jr. for a big tournament run. Maybe not to win it, but definitely to get to the final, I think. And Zach really is good at tournaments. Like, that can't be mm-hmm. stated enough. The progress tournament from May. Like, he had wrestled four matches in two days, having just flown in from Japan, and every match was near on four stars or above. So, what more, what more can you ask for? You see a lot of good wrestlers um, go into tournaments, very good wrestlers go into tournaments, and they'll have one or two very good matches if they're going all the way, and then in the middle maybe they'll they'll not quite put full effort in to save themselves for the final, or something like that. But Zack's style behooves himself to tournaments. He It's not that he's not working hard in every match, but it's it's something that it's it's a a level where he can continue to put out that level of match repeatedly throughout yeah, the weekend and deliver. Every he makes it look time. so easy. I mean, <laughs> it might it must not be very easy, but like just the way he works and like how good it looks, it looks very easy, and he's a special talent. So um, with that, all the uh, announced matches um, for the UK. And well, European guys, if you're throwing end in there, um, what other matches are you looking forward to potentially seeing? From I this, think I'll uh, have to uh, bring up the entire lineup just to answer that question because I can't remember who everyone everyone is in it. Uh... While you're looking for that, I'll just throw one out here: Tommy End versus Pentagon Junior. Or oh, anyone versus Pentagon Junior. <laughs> I think. Well, yeah, I think you could almost completely go down the lineup of um, the entire tournament and pick out every single name <laughs> against Pentagon Jr., and that would be somewhat of a dream match. But the the brawl that End and Pentagon could have together would just be... I'm getting <laughs> excited just speaking about oh, it. Yeah. It would it'd be fun. I can't imagine it being anything but fantastic. And I, And we talked about Maybe the Gulak match not suiting end um, as a first round match. That would really be a match that 
end could sh- show exactly mm-hmm. what he's about. I think I've I've got all the participants up, and I think they're in a bracket as well. I'm not sure if the brackets are official. I I don't think they are. They they weren't last year because uh, I remember with the uh, pe- yeah, pickups last thinking. year. We had we had them all. Um, it all laid out, and it turned out that the Wikipedia brackets just had the first round matches in yeah, random order because the that's what I've got up here. The, uh, Brackets from Wikipedia, and so if that's not official, then uh, screw it. I think most people are in but, play. Uh, <laughs> just the way the Wikipedia bracket is set up, uh, you've got Will Ospreay and Pentagon Jr. I mean, that would be a dream match. Or Will Ospreay versus Drago, whoever wins out of Drago, Pentagon Jr. Either one would be great. I've got to think Pentagon's winning there. He, like, as good as Drago is, like, Pentagon's the guy with mm-hmm. all the hype. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Um, versus Matt Seidel. Can I tempt you? <laughs> that could be a lot of fun. That that would be a lot of fun. Um, who do you like to see Marty against? Um, who would well, him? I saw him against Chris Hero last year, and that would be a great rematch to have in front of the PWG crowd. Yeah, yeah, that, that those styles would very much suit mm-hmm. Marty. And as Marty's a guy who performs, as we said, up or down to his opponent, Chris Hero is, you know... You're not before me down to a guy like Definitely. that, that's for sure. Anyone versus Angelico. ZSJ yeah. versus Angelico. Will Ospreay, just just a a, a spot fest between Ospreay <laughs> and Angelico as like a, you know, like a, a quarterfinal yeah. match. You know, it's, it would just be so much fun. So much fun. And do you see anyone going to the finals out of the seven European guys? Uh, seven? Oh yeah, yeah, six, six. Sorry. Going to the finals, I think. I think Saber Junior could very much be a guy. If if they wanted to to go all the way, he'd be perfect for it. Um, the one proviso is he's probably not ever going to be available for every mm. PWG show. Um, with his commitments in Noah, but that said, um, they gave Ricochet the win last year. And he hasn't been on every PWG show this year. He's missed shows from being in Dragon Gate, in New Japan, Lucha, mm-hmm. uh, Lucha Underground. So it, it's not something historically they've been against. Um, and I get the impression that they're very high on Zach. Just from the way they've booked him, every single match he's been, even if it's not been like a main event or anything, he's been put in a high-profile match in every single card he's mm-hmm. been on. So that could... I could see him going to the final, potentially even winning it, um, if that's what they wanted to do. Well, um, the, the finals are a freeway, so he can still go there and not lose but not win either, uh, if they want to protect him. Yeah, I, I could see that happening. Um, someone like Osprey... I, I see him having a good run, but I don't see him no. getting to the finals, especially especially as it's his first. Um, first yeah, they want to show appearance. him off, but they don't want to put him over the top. I think. Yeah, I I can see him having you know beating Andrews night one, being in some sort of tag match night two. They haven't announced anything for him on Andrews yet, but I can see maybe Osprey and Andrews against ooh who. Who else doesn't have anything night two? Well, maybe the Young Bucks. 
Oh no, I think they're facing Anne Helico and Jack Evans Night 2. Anyway, I can see them in some, yeah, Osprey going in some sort of tag match with Andrews Night 2. And then, um, having his second round match, I think that's quarterfinals yeah. if I'm... Yeah. Um, he'd, he'd have a quarterfinal match, um, Night 3, um, against, you know, one of the dream matches we've mentioned. Um, and then either going out there or going out in a semi. But I, I don't see him quite going to the final. They they seem to generally reserve that for the um their regularly yeah. booked guys. Andrews, I don't I see him losing first round, and even if he does beat Osprey, I think he he'll be going out mm-hmm. straight after that. I agree. Skull. Uh, we've been Skull's a tricky one because depending on how much they've watched of Skull. Um, you can be, a, I mean, if you've cherry-picked the best of Skrull, he can look like a world-beater, and from what I've heard, um, Super Dragon himself, who's reportedly the booker of PWG, makes all the big decisions of who advances and whatnot, um, doesn't watch a huge amount, if anything, really, um, so... I could see them getting behind him. Um, maybe for a, a similar run to the run Zach had last year, where I think he went to the, I can't remember if it was the quarterfinals or the semifinals and wrestled to, uh, uh, a, ah, uh, was it a disqualification or a, a draw with Kyle O'Reilly? Yeah, I think, like yeah. That, that re- where he had a good run. But, uh, again, I can't see him going all the way no. to the final. No. Tommy End, do you think he could get to the final since he is a more semi-regular at PWG? Yeah, um, I think Tommy's a tricky one here. Um, cause I do get the impression they like him, but, um, He needs a big match to really put him over. Yes. He hasn't had the big matches that, um, that Sabre has had, um, it's coming in roughly the same time as him. Um, I can see him definitely advancing at least to the quarterfinals, maybe to the semis again. I mean, you could throw him out into the finals, but um, I, I don't see him as a potential winner like I see that. No, I think Sabre Jr. is a good bet to get to the finals. Uh, maybe not to win, but he's certainly in the conversation. I think everyone else... Um, I think everyone has a chance to get to the quarterfinals, win their match. Um, but I don't think anyone else could get to the finals except for maybe Tommy. Yeah, because um, I don't know about you, but me personally, the way the booking's been going, um, I'm seeing maybe a Busick or a um, a Bailey. Or a Trevor Lee yeah. going very far the, in this the tournament. In-house guys, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, because they they've been set up already against um, Roderick, who's the current champion, and with him supposedly, well, uh, reportedly signing uh, exclusively yeah. with Ring of Honor. Uh, now, you've got to imagine that he will be losing the the title fairly soon. And if they want to um, put the title onto the winner of Bola, um, maybe Zach isn't the guy to win, as he's not probably not going to be um, on every show. Um, 
and guys like Busick and Lee and Bailey already have that built-in feud with Strong and the whole of Mount Rushmore 2.0. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Zub, Britress, Summer Holidays, they're talking about Dola. Uh, but I think that's a, a logical way of looking at things. Uh, shall we move on back home to Chapter 20? Progress, Thunder Bastard. Yeah, so uh, this show took place um, just after we recorded the last episode. We previewed it on the last episode. Um, July 26th, uh, Thunder Bastard Beyond Thunder Bastard, uh, Progress's Chapter 20 show. Um, were you there yeah, live I was at the show? Uh, in a new seat back uh, towards the stage, which I much preferred over my old seat, which is on the other side, and you had to squint to see them coming through the curtain. <laughs> so I think I'm going to sit there from now on. Overall, how... Um, I know you've written a review up on the site, so uh, people can uh, check that out over on uh, voiceofwrestling.com uh, to see a full review. But um, as an overall experience, what was your... Um, what were your thoughts on the show? Um... Altogether. I thought uh, once the fourth match, SDS versus Hunter Brothers, came on, that was when the show really picked up. I thought the first three matches were fun, but nothing you'd ever want to see again, uh, like to rewatch them. Um, but the last three matches, the tag title match, the Thunder Bastard match, and the Progress title match, all very fun in different ways. Uh, the Thunder Bastard match, not a good work rate match, obviously, but it was fun, especially live, with the entrances and just the general atmosphere, and the two title matches really delivered in very different ways, and we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, so if we just run through the uh, the cards chronologically, the opener uh, had Noam Dar, and he was uh, scheduled to face uh, Dave Mastiff, um, but uh, Mastiff was replaced by uh, one of our both of our favourites, um, Pastor William Eva. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what happened with Mastiff, but uh, they got Bill Eva in, and he got to pick up the big win over a very established guy like Noam Dar, which I thought was a bit of a lucky stroke, really. Um, obviously not what they had planned, but they get to put uh, one of the Projo guys over big. Uh, he's in the Natural Progression series this year, and like he's looking very good in terms of progress booking. He hasn't lost a singles match yet, I don't think. Not on the chapter shows, at least. So, uh, he's in a very good position. The match itself, I thought it was a fun opener, a hot opener. Uh, very fast-paced. Like, watching it, uh, re-watching it on Demand Progress, having just watched a G1 show before, like, the difference was night and day, like, the middling G1 shows where they work very lethargic, trying to save their bodies, and here, Dara and Eva just going all out. Uh, the ending, though, came a bit too suddenly, and kept the match from being anything more than alright, I think. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of both these guys. Um, William Eva, he, he's got kind of a, a priest gimmick, and, and at first look at him, he does seem very much a guy who's going to be all gimmick. But when you actually get to see him in the ring, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. It's similar to Dalton, uh, Dalton, Dalton Castle. Castle? <laughs> Dalton Castle? I don't know. Dalton Castle in that way. Um, you know, he, he almost, when you first look at him, you, you expect him to be defined by his gimmick. But 
beneath there, there's yeah, a fantastic It's very eye-catching. He's got a great entrance theme and, like, a solid fan support. They've really built him well, better than, well, maybe not the geezers, but better than any other uh, Projo talent he's gotten over with the fans and really making a name for himself, not just in progress, but in other promotions as well where he's starting to get booked. Uh, he's really impressive. Hmm. Um, he was seemingly lucky to um, move into this pr- position as a replacement for Mastiff, but I couldn't really think of a, a better guy to give this big win to. Um, as you said, I found the match, it was enjoyable while it went, um, but the finish was mm, very He needs rough. a different finisher, I think. Um, clothesline isn't going to do it. He's got to think of something more impactful. I mean, it's a nice lariat, but it's not a great enough lariat that it can stand on its own um, as a finisher. You know, you, you're going to see, you might see Ishii throw 10 yeah. lariats in one match that are as, as good as he's throwing. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great lariat to see. I, I love lariats, but um, the, in uh, modern wrestling... You really have to have a, a lariat or a clothesline that's above and beyond if you want to get mm, it over as a finisher. It, it didn't have any crowd reaction. It was just a, a transitional move into the finish. People thought like it was building to the end and then it kind of ended. Uh, but other than that, it was a solid yeah. match, like a good good opener. Yeah, it, it was. I, I was expecting more going in because I'm a big fan of both these guys. I didn't think their stars quite meshed as well as I was hoping. It, I'd say it, it kind of lacked a bit of flow, perhaps. Um, but but it, it did its job. It it, um, it was a fast-paced, fun opener that uh, fired up the crowd, yeah. so you can't really complain and too much about And the finish, that. perhaps more important than the match, uh, with Noam Dar holding up a Progress t-shirt, a Chapter 1 t-shirt, and seemingly saying goodbye for now. It wasn't like a retirement from Progress or anything, but He's not, not going to be booked on the next few shows, perhaps not until next year. So this is a chance for a guy like Eva or the guys in the next match uh, to move up the card, fill up a spot. I'd, uh, I'd miss this story. Um, why why isn't Dar um, going to be... I think just the, in the near they want to cycle through the talent, I think. I don't think there's anything major to it. I think the there's an ICW tour going on in October through the UK, so he's part of that. Yeah, I think just generally the booking and his dates don't match up, so they decided to give Eva the big win. Yeah, I can see that, because you, the, the progress roster, because of the, uh, the, the upswelling quality British talent that are appearing everywhere recently, uh, it has got somewhat bloated, uh, that they, they, they simply can't fit everyone on the card. This was kind of an example of that. They had, I think, they had an eight-man match in, and a, a four-man match just to try and fit as yeah. many guys as they could on, and they're still still missing some guys off. So uh, I, I can see them uh, wanting to cycle guys in and out. I think that's a smart decision, really, to keep, keep the guys fresh, especially as they're going to be running more, uh, more yeah, shows definitely. now. Um, you, um, I saw in your review, you, uh, said that you could perhaps see him ending up joining the Origin when he turns, comes back? 
What Did I say that? <laughs> I don't remember saying that. Okay. Uh... <laughs> you you got to read me back my words here. I might be misremembering. Oh, uh, okay. It might have been someone else. I think it was... It might have been. Um... He was holding up a Chapter 1 shirt, so that oh, yeah, could yeah. line up, that I could, guess. Nah, I see that. I'm not sure that was me. That must have been someone else, but it's a point oh, okay. well made. <laughs> yeah, whoever it was, <laughs> uh, well done. The well second done. match on the show, Bubblegum versus Kyle Ashmore versus Mike Hitchman, The Wild Boar, and Flash Morgan Webster. Uh, in what was billed as a cruiserweight match, I don't know how Kyle Ashmore is a cruiserweight, but there we go. Um, and a win for Flash Morgan Webster, the Natural Progression Series winner, as he moves towards his inevitable title match. What did you think of this one? Um, wasn't a big fan, really. Um, I am a guy who who does like multi-man matches more than most. I find, um, like I often, you know, they're they're often a lot of fun. I find, but um, this one. It was it was quite sloppy. Um, again, it didn't really flow yeah. fantastically, and I'm not the biggest fan of many guys in this match. I mean, Mike Hitchman, the Wild Boar, uh, I like him a lot, but um, Webster, mm, I'm not I'm not too keen on him. A lot of his offense doesn't doesn't do much for me. You know, it it's very flippy, very Looks very hard to execute, but at the same time doesn't look. Yeah, great definitely. To me. He like there was a um, spot where he had his like he was trying to do a reverse rana off the ropes, and he sort of like got stuck on the ropes, kind of, and it looked just kind of awkward. The reverse rana itself was good, but the setup looked very like forced. He does try to do maybe a bit too much, and he could tone it down a little bit. Yeah, and like I don't know what it is about him, but I just find. His entire entire wrestling is quite <laughs> annoying. I mean, it, I don't I don't understand exactly why. I just start since I've been watching more of him. Um, uh, the more I see of him, the more the little things annoy me that really shouldn't. Like the way he runs around the the ring has started to annoy me. I'm not sure why. I think uh, his look would be much better suited to a heel. Like just the way, like the way he adopts the mod fashion, and he looks like Jay from the Inbetweeners. Like, I feel that's classic heel stuff, and then, like, he trots out as a babyface. I thought he was very good in the match with Zach Gibson, uh, to win the MPS. Uh, I don't know who you'd attribute that to, though, Gibson or Webster. Yeah, for me, Gibson was the guy, uh, making that match, but Morgan held his own there. And to be fair to him, um, he, he has got very well over in progress. He's got good fan support. Um, recently, he got a good pop for this win. Um, the other, what do you think of the other two uh, guys? In this I thought match? Bubblegum was uh, the most impressive guy in this match. Actually, I know you're not a fan of the uh, the Chav gimmick that he's doing and sticking his hand where it doesn't belong. It it just seems very two dimensional to me. It's like, a bit. He he does the same thing. <laughs> it's a bit times working a men's match. club, I think, like appealing to uh, the. The not hardcore wrestling fans. So, um, just to uh, ex- explain exactly what he does, uh, in his entrance and about twenty <laughs> times throughout the match, he uh, he sticks his hand into his trunks, jerks himself off a bit, 
pulls his hands out and swears at the crowd. That happens roughly 20 times. Um, doesn't do a lot for me, but, you know, <laughs> some people seem to enjoy um, it. But I thought uh, he provided a real, like, veteran anchor in this match. It could have very easily fallen apart completely, but a lot of times when things weren't going completely to plan, he got them back on track. Uh, and he was like, him and Wild Boar really, like, anchored this match and got the other two through. Yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely got a good core base. Even if I don't like the gimmick, I can admit that he's, um, you know, he's definitely a good hand, <laughs> uh, as, uh, gets thrown around a lot. Um, and then finally, Kyle no Apple, no he's, uh, another, yeah, um, one of the Projo graduates, which is Progressors Training School. Um, he, a lot of his offense I found looked really good here, um, but when he wasn't on offense and transitioning between moves and moving around the ring, he just didn't seem quite ready for this stage for mm, me at I, this point. I'm not sure I if think, you agree uh, with that. I think he's got a good look. Uh, he's got a good gimmick. A lot of people don't like it. I I do like the beard song. I like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he looked good in this match, uh, but he was working with Bubblegum and Wild Boar, who he was probably going to be working with more regularly now in a tag team. Um, who perhaps hid some of his weaknesses, but he's getting there and give him another year. I think he'll be right alongside uh William Eva in terms of Projo guy's quality. Yeah, definitely, definitely showed some potential here. And you you called it in the preview. Uh, you said that this match was uh, almost the reason for it being here, apart from to give uh, Webster a win uh, with an eventual title shot coming up for him. Uh, was the uh, Meltzer yeah. Trapper <laughs> And uh, lo and behold, despite um, Ashmore and Hitchman not being a team here, it was a four-way, um, they still hit this uh, tag team move, which, um, for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, it's definitely up uh, on Lariato's Twitter account, although so many gifts so much, uh, you have a, I guess you'll have a bit of trouble finding it. Um, but it's uh, Hitchman... Uh, the wild boar lifts, um, I can't remember what, I think it was Bubblegum. Yeah, it was Bubblegum. For the, um, he lifts up, uh, Bubblegum for a package power driver and holds him in midair. And then Ashmore, who is a huge guy, so you wouldn't be expecting him to do this, um, does a 450, well, 360 off the top rope, um, similar to the way the Young Bucks do on the Meltzer driver. Um, and then they, uh, well, they hit a package power driver version of the Meltzer driver. Oh yeah, driver. it looks fantastic, um, and it they're probably going to become a full-time team now based off of that move, so well done them for being innovative and uh, knowing what works, what pops the crowd. Next match? Uh, yeah, uh, the Natural Progression Series 3 kicking off with Damien Dunn versus Sebastian of the Geezers. This was the Geezers' ballroom debut. They have the video up on YouTube, and... Yeah, <laughs> the crowd was in love with them, basically. For those of you who, uh, we, we, we touched on it on, uh, the last show, but the, uh, Nat- Natural Progression series is the, the, um, uh, a tournament that Progress is running yearly? Right? It's about yearly. Like, it's not a defined start end date, but it's roughly yearly with the way the shows work out. I'm not sure how they're gonna do it next year with more shows. But yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. say clearly. <laughs> that'll, that'll do for now. Um, 
where they they showcase a lot of the the up and coming and um, unfeatured talent on the the UK scene. Um, previously, it's been kind of a breakout platform for guys like uh, Mark Andrews, Paul Robinson, Will Ospreay. Um, in a way, Will Eaver, although Zach Gibson get too... Zach Gibson definitely, and then. Uh, Despite me not being a huge fan of him, Morgan Webster um, did win a lot of people over in his uh, tournament showings there. Um, and this is the, the as uh, Ollie mentioned, this is the third um, incarnation of this tournament. Um, and this is the first match kicking off. Yeah, um, the entrance is fantastic for the geezers. Huge pop. Uh, they've done such a good job getting themselves over, building the gimmick on Twitter, on YouTube. And just generally being an absolute laugh and like guys you need to follow if you're a fan of British wrestling just to see the weird uh TV show gifts that they come up with the day to day Garth Murray's dark place and just the the strange but like, hilarious jokes that they come up with uh definitely guys who are very charismatic and have yeah got themselves over despite not wrestling that much, which may be a negative. In another area. Yeah. Um, as you said, I was just about to say, about to basically echo your point. Um, the fact that they've managed to get themselves over to such a huge degree without wrestling a single <laughs> match in front of this crowd is quite amazing, really. When you when you think about it, the uh, the amount of guys who who have good matches and yet aren't that over. <laughs> the, this team, who who have haven't, haven't done anything in front of this crowd, and yet uh, you, you wouldn't believe it uh, watching the uh, the pop they received for their entrances. Sadly, um, when they got in the ring, it wasn't quite as great. Yeah, and I'm not going to pin this one on Damien Dunn, because he's a Midlands boy, and I'm a uh, adopted Midlands boy now. <laughs> so uh, I've seen him in much better matches than this, let's say. But I've never seen Sebastian have like even a... Good. He had a match with Zack Sabre Jr. that was okay, but with ZSJ you've got to do better than okay. Uh, say what you will about the geezers, but very strong on in the charisma department, the promo department. But uh, wrestling probably needs some more experience. That's something that you can't do on Twitter. Get better at wrestling. No, and it, it, it's disappointing, really. You you can't say anything other than that. I mean. A lot of people have the the wrestling skill and not the um and not the charisma to go alongside. Um, at the moment, um, both Sebastian and Tom Irvin are kind of on the other side of that, but they're they're still they're still relatively they're um, young in their wrestling careers. So there's definitely room to improve there. And I'd say, in general, if you if you've got the charisma, the from what I've seen, the wrestling skill is is something that's easier yeah. to build up compared to some people who just have no natural charisma mm-hmm. and never I'm will do. I'm not going to bury them here, but I'm just saying, like, because uh, that's awesome in the promos, but um, they need more seasoning. Yeah, the match was completely <laughs> skippable. Uh, I enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah. Damien Dunn threw a nice German suplex. Sebastian, uh, again, just worked the crowd fantastically along with Tom Irvin. But, uh there was a spot where Dunn tried to take off the ring post and, like, I think it was, like, deliberately 
looking difficult so that Sebastian could get back up again and attack him, but it just it didn't translate very well. Uh, yeah, completely skippable. Apart from the entrance, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Sebastian eventually got the win with, uh, it was kind of a ripcord GTS sort of thing. Uh, uh, a GTS to... is what it's called. Yes. Um, similar to, is it Harada in Noah who, who does yeah, that move? Yeah, it's Harada's finisher. Um, I could see maybe, uh, Zach showing in that, uh, with his, uh, <laughs> yeah. time in Noah. Um, in some ways I was kind of disappointed to see Sebastian advance as, you know, Damien's clearly at this point the better in the ring of the two. But on the other hand, Sebastian's way, way more over despite being the worst in, in ring wrestler. Um, so you, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't complain. I kind of wish there. they had like a full bracket of the NPS series because right now we don't know the other three matches and they may not even have an NPS match at uh chapter 21 uh no nothing's been announced yet so they may be spreading that out over the year like we say with more shows so i don't know if tom irvin's going to be in there does he even qualify now that he's had a a main roster match i think they've done that before they've had guys who who've had one or two lower profile matches end up in the NPS i mean they could be but i'm trying to say they're trying to Build to a Sebastian Tom Irvin match in the final, potentially. The biggest problem with that would be you'd then have either Sebastian or Tom Irvin have to have a title match, and neither of these guys (laughs) guys are at all ready for that at this point. Um, But the atmosphere would probably be incredible, so it is an option. Um, I think the only other guy announced so far for the. Natural progression series is uh, Will Eva. Yeah, he got the uh, spot from Morgan Webster giving it to him. That that he'd be a guy I'd love to see um, go far. They're either he's either going to win or he's going to lose his first match due to interference and start a bigger feud. That is exactly what they did last time, though. So <laughs> uh, I think they'd want to change it up a bit. Yeah. Maybe not have him be the winner, but I I'd be down with him being the winner personally. We'll see with that one. Uh, moving on to the Progress Tag Team Championship match. Uh, the Sumerian Death Squad making their first defense against the Hunter Brothers, uh, who were not very over when they walked in, but by the time the match was over, they'd won the crowd over, and this was an excellent match. I thought it was the match of the night, and possibly the two best matches, two best, uh, the, ma- the best match either team has ever had. I'd say in Progress, definitely. Um, there's a lot of stuff I haven't seen. Yeah, I haven't seen um, too much from, from SDS, but yeah, I'm I'm sure they've had some terrific matches in WXW that um very few uh, English speakers have seen. But um, definitely a a breakout performance for the Hunter Brothers. Um, this was kind of their re-debut in progress. They they'd been off the card cards for a a fair amount of time. Well, the the chapter cards anyway, they'd been on the occasional um Endeavour show, which is their um their student shows. Um but uh they they really came back with a bang here. Um this was a really fast paced match. I'd almost describe it as a sprint, 
but it, it ended up going on for quite a long it's, time. It's, so I'm not sure. It you felt like can. it went on for about twenty minutes, but I looking at the match time, it was only thirteen or fourteen minutes. So really, it was wow. surprising how short it was. It was the same same amount of time as the four way match. Blimey, they <laughs> that a lot of matches that a lot of really good matches that go um that that go long feel short. This was a great match that went short and felt long oh, yeah, somehow. Definitely. And I loved the way the Hunter Brothers worked this match. I they I thought they were very very good, and just the way it seemed like there were four hunters, not two, working, and like just the way they isolated. End or Dante, I can't remember which one, in the ring. Just the way they worked the double teams, the way they worked the tags. It was so good, and especially in a kind of hostile environment, an away environment for them to work like that. Like, it was gutsy. They could have very easily just gone all spot fest and try and wow the crowd, but instead they worked as kind of heels, and eventually the Death Squad got back into the match with their strikes, using their size advantage, and uh, like, te- taught the Hunter Brothers a lesson, essentially. There were some spots where, like, the Hunters just got schooled, and there was the incredible spot where, uh, End moves out of the way of, uh, Jim or Lee's splash onto the other Hunter. And, uh, I, I don't know, I can't tell them apart. I, obviously, they, I, I th- they look different, but I don't know which one's I which. I think it was Lee. <laughs> I think it was Lee who was, um, getting up for this spot. The one, but, yeah, the one with the square sure. face. <laughs> uh, and he lands on his brother, and, like, he knows Tommy End is behind him, and he doesn't want to turn around, and he just looks like he's got the fear of the devil in him, as Tommy puts, like, the finger gun up, and everyone knows what's gonna happen, and he just gets his face kicked off, like, roundhouse kicked off, and it was incredible. The, it, it was, it was almost reminiscent of, um, some of the early Shield, Three-way match, um, trios matches. Oh yeah, yeah, I definitely see that in with hunters in the role of the shoot the shield. Yeah, in the way that they were almost they were kind of pre- um, presented as as not the equals man to man of the death squad, but the way they managed to manipulate the double teams uh, and, and superior teamwork, um, they managed to to stay in it. Yeah, yeah, I definitely say that they were the better team. But they eventually just got overmatched. And it, that was a fun dynamic because they were the heels, essentially, and the Death Squad were the faces. But that's almost a reversal of what a normal match structure would be. The finish, should we talk about? Just, um, we've kind of already talked about, like, the, the big spot that uh, the whole match was leading up to. Essentially, after that, the Death Squad just put away, uh, Jim, I believe, uh, with their big double team moves and got the big pop. And all, both teams kicked out with the other team's finisher, which I thought was impressive, and just built the atmosphere even more. And at the end of the match, immediate standing ovation from everyone. So that's a sign that you did a good job. <laughs> One of the, the big strengths for this match for me was that in a lot of these, um, as I said, it was a, a match with a very high pace right from the beginning. But um, at no point did I really feel it. it went into overkill mode. Oh yeah, it was very smartly worked. Um, and yeah, I was on the edge of my seat throughout. Um, re- really fantastic tag team match. And if you're someone who um, who goes through and uh, cherry picks matches from all the different streaming services you have on offer, this is definitely one to check out. Um, 
a lot of you uh, will be familiar with Tommy End um, at this point. Um, Michael Dante and the Hunter Brothers, not so much. Um, but this this was really all four of them at their very best, uh, and a definite recommendation. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> We've sung the praises of that one. Uh, we'll move on to match number five, Thunder Bastard match, the titular uh, match of the show. Uh, <laughs> I'll run through all the participants uh, from memory. Uh, there was Damon Moser, El Ligero, um, Nathan Cruz, Nathan Cruz uh, Rampage Brown. <laughs> I should really have a list up. Mark Haskins. Mark Haskins, Eddie Dennis, Marty Skull, and Tom, Tom Irvin of the Geezers. We got there. Yeah. Um, this was the second annual Thunder Bastard match. I think it was about a year ago that happened. Mm-hmm. I'd say this is a yearly thing as well, although, uh, uh, I haven't checked that again. Really should have done a bit more, uh, prep for this. <laughs> uh, but, uh, let's say that's yearly. Um, uh, last year, um, Will Offrey, uh, came out the winner, um, which really helped skyrocket him into the, uh, the upper echelons, not only of progress, but also, um, of the, the UK scene as a whole. I mean, there were breakout performances over in places like Rev Pro as well, but, um, yeah, in terms that was of a match big... where it really looked like he was going to become a future star, like just in booking terms. Yeah, that was that was his big win that really established him as one of the the big names in um, British wrestling, mm-hmm. from my point of view at least. Um, what are your opinions like on the gimmick of the Bastard match? Because it's essentially a Royal Rumble but with pinfall eliminations. Yeah, I think I described it last month as a a cross between a Royal Rumble and an Elimination Chamber, in the fact that the the guys come out um, in a kind of gauntlet manner, but then it's pinfalls and submissions and disqualifications and um, rather than over the top rope rules. Um, with the 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 last stand, man standing of the the eight participants earning a title shot at some point in the future. Um, as a, a match concept as a whole, after having seen two of these now, neither of them really wowed me from just the standpoint of a match. Yeah, it's not, it's not a work rate gimmick. It's not, uh, can't think of a word. It, it doesn't create great matches, but it is a fun gimmick, I think. Like, it's a good spectacle. To throw it's out. good for advancing storylines. Um, it's good for getting a lot of guys onto the card. I thought it was a good use of Tom Irvin. Oh um, yeah, definitely. Unlike like Sebastian um, earlier on, where he was kind of exposed. Um, well, exposed is maybe a bit harsh, but um, oh, well, it, the geezers are best when they're not working a traditional match when they're doing their act, which is an excellent act. And, and Tom Irvin. And Tom Irvin was able to come in here, be in the match for about a minute, and um, get in, get out, get over, basically. Oh, yeah, get in, get out, get over. That should be a t-shirt for them. <laughs> oh, claiming royalty for that. <laughs> big, hashtag Big Mike. Yeah. Yeah, voice of the wrestling team <laughs> creating t-shirts. We should be getting paid All over this. the shop. Um... The biggest problem is it either goes a long, long time and you get a lot of guys in the ring 
at once and it becomes somewhat of a clusterfuck. Or you have quick eliminations, it doesn't go as long, um, but then you've got a load of quick eliminations which, you know, similar to like a, a Survivor Series match, you're, you're oh, seeing yeah. <laughs> a, guy in the match for, a guy in the match for two minutes, take a couple of moves, there was some and of then that in get, pinned, get pinned to a, ma- a move in regular, you would never fall to. We should go uh, chronologically, uh, calling the action, calling the spots. Uh, so they started off with, well, before the match even began, uh, Ali Armstrong sadly retired, uh, which led into... Yeah, that was due to uh, injury. Ali Armstrong was the, the first graduate of the uh, Projo, and unfortunately, I can't remember exactly what the injury was, um, but he uh, he put his health ahead of his wrestling career, as he should, mm-hmm. and... Um, for the foreseeable future, he's uh, going to be stopping wrestling, which is unfortunate. But um... and that fed into uh, the angle with Nathan Cruz and the Origin. Uh, Cruz coming out, deliver. He's an excellent promo, I think. Like very underrated. And I thought this was a good way to re-establish him as a not top heel, but a, a high up heel, and get him loathed to start the match. Yeah, totally. He came out here. And, um, he, he, he kind of laughed at Ali for, um, retiring, saying, you've only been in the business a year, nobody cares if you're going to be retiring, you were barely in it to start with. Um, which, you know, got Ali's a very sympathetic character to start with, so that, um, really heaped the hate on, uh, mm-hmm. Nathan. Um, so then that led to a hot start when, um, straight from that interval segment, um, the, the Thunder Bastard match itself kicked off, uh, as Damon, Damon Moser was out first, Damon right? Moser, uh, he got shifted, actually, uh, or in kayfabe, he got shifted, uh, into the role of second man to, like, teach Nathan Cruz a lesson, which kind of backfired, and <laughs> I'm gonna go into wild mass speculation here, but, uh, it almost seems like that could be a Glenn Joseph heel turn there, because he would have known the map, the running order of the guys. This is me just overanalyzing it. He would have known what order they were coming out in. And he would have known that putting Na- uh, Damon Moser in second would have put El Liguero out third and put him at a two and one disadvantage. So that was a bit of a dick move, however well intentioned, <laughs> to put him, to put the guy at a two, two, two on one disadvantage straight away. All right. I'd lean towards you overthinking <laughs> that a little, but um, yeah, who knows? Who knows? I mean, that it's clear that they do put a lot of thought into um, their storylines in progress. Um, a lot of the the seemingly insignificant, uh, intricate details um, on shows end up paying off um, far down the line. But uh, my gut is this isn't one of them. No, I think I'm just overanalyzing. Uh, what did you think of Damon Moses' contributions to the match? Well, he, as I said, he came out hot um, as a guy to uh, kick Nathan's ass. Uh, they have the uh, the origin angle where he got kicked out uh, at chapter nineteen. Like, yeah. So these two were previous stable mates. Although again, I'm gonna I'm gonna overanalyze the booking and wonder why that makes Damon Moser a face if he just got kicked out of a heel group, and then why does that make him a face? It kind of <laughs> makes him. Similar, it's kind of similar to the um, the way Moose has been booked in ROH. Oh yeah. Um, he he he's a bad guy 
and then a bad guy turns on him, so he he's automatically a good guy. <laughs> yeah. It, I I kind of get the he kind of been presented in the way that he's just kind of following orders uh, and doesn't have much of a mind of his own. Because <laughs> um, he, I think he, I think if I'm interpreting the booking right, because with the the faceless gimmick uh, where everyone was masked and a mystery identity, it wasn't totally clear. But I think the storyline was that um, Garnell and Moser won the tag titles yeah. um, under the faceless gimmick, and then um, uh, Cruz and Legero stole, well, um, usurped them for the tag titles yeah, that's, once that's they'd won it. Um, by as they were part of the same group, they once their their underlings had won them the titles, they took the titles and then kicked their underlings out the group. So, so there there was heat going into this face off, but Damon really kind of looked lost. Yeah, they haven't. He hasn't had any promo time. He has no character. He's very bland. He has no heat. He ran out there, double leg Nathan, and that was like the peak of his, <laughs> his point in the match. That bit was good, and then it it all kind of they didn't seem to have very good chemistry together. They didn't seem to be entirely no. on the same page of what was happening, and it was. It was all a bit juttery. Yeah, I've, he was just a sacrificial lamb, really, here to get uh, some heat on the the origin when El Ligero came out third. They double team him, they pin him. Origin have the two nothing advantage over everyone else. Um, and then that brought out the next guy, who was Rampage Brown, if I'm remembering correctly. I, yeah, I think it was because this started uh, the portion of a match where everyone beats up the Origin. Like they make the Origin look really strong, and then five minutes later, make him look really weak by getting power bombed by uh, Rampage Brown, uh, which is yeah. kind of like a microcosm of their faceless run. Yeah, I mean, Rampage Brown is someone who's been throughout the history of Progress, but very strongly. But it, he was in a two-in-one situation and managed to, to dominate both of them. Um, there, there was, next out was Mark Haskins. Um, so that, that, uh, had a, there was a lot of history in the yep. ring at that point. The you had screw indie wrestling three members guys. of Team Screw Indie Wrestling. Yeah. Um, in Haskins, Cruz, and Brown. Uh, so there, there's a lot of history between all four, uh, all three guys there. Uh, and it was also pointed out Something that I didn't re- realize immediately, and uh, with you seeing the non-commentary version, I'm not sure if you realized that. But at that point in the ring, you had um, the the initial three champions of Progress all in the ring at one time. Was Haskins ever the champion? Uh, uh, Ligero. Uh, oh yeah, Rampage Brown. Cruz, yeah, Ligero, Rampage Brown. Brown. Yeah, yeah. I know. I didn't notice that, but yeah. And also, I didn't watch it with commentary. We should probably talk about that after the Thunder Bastard match. Uh, what the difference between commentary was. But we'll get through this match first. Uh, out yep. sixth was Eddie Dennis. Uh, cool theme tune and beat up the origin and then kind of disappeared for the rest of the match. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of, there was a lot of, um, guys coming in, hitting a few moves and then grabbing someone else, pulling them out the ring and you're not really <laughs> seeing them until Till it was their time to get yeah. eliminated. The, the, the match kind of bottomed out until Tom Irvin came in. Seventh was Skull, who did kind of the same thing. And then eighth, Tom Irvin, we've already talked about just the incredibly entertaining sequence where he, his, the music hits, he comes out with Sebastian, downs a pint, runs to the ring, hits a 
the weak looking stunner on everyone and uh gets rolled up. Oh no, he rolls up El Ligero to eliminate him and then gets kicked in the head by Cruz and gets eliminated himself all within about a minute and it was a very fun sequence. Again, um a weird case of strong and weak booking for uh the origin as a whole. They don't seem entirely sure whether they want to push this group or not. Um, I think eventually they're just going to settle in the mid-card uh, for something for the faces to do who aren't in the title picture. Which, you know, there's worse worse uses for those guys. Um, but initially it did seem they were set up for something a bit bigger than that. Yeah, I think with the faces it seemed more like a show-changing angle and then they just kind of lost faith in it and... This is the backup plan, almost. And yeah, it was very schizophrenic at booking in this match for them. I'm not, I'm not too, um, too opposed to that, really, because while Ligero and Cruz are good, there are, there are, there are several other guys I'm more interested in seeing in main events. I mean, they're good, good mid, good guys having the mid card, mid, mid card, um, having good matches, but, um, they have had time on top in the past. And they're, they're truly great matches, kind of few and far between. Yeah, I think they're going to getting set up for a second uh, tag title match with the SDS at some point. Uh, I think that will be their ceiling for now. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Um, moving on with this match, uh, after Tom Irving got eliminated, the elimination started to come a bit faster. I think... <laughs> it's so long. I think Dennis was next. Is I Dennis... think Rampage Brown got eliminated by De- no Dennis eliminated Rampage Brown. Yeah, yeah. After they had a little sequence, and With then the, uh, Cruz, next top driver. Yeah, and then Cruz eliminated Dennis soon afterwards. Yes, yes. Again with a kick to the head. So uh, again, now it's the Origins turn to be booked strong at this point. <laughs> and uh, does that leave us with the final three? It was. Uh, Cruz, Cruz, Haskins, Haskins and Skull. I think this is when the match really picked up and started showing some promise. I think uh, Cruz, with his pre-match promo, really earned himself some heat and going against two uh, very over guys like Haskins and Skull, I thought it was a good dynamic. Eventually, I believe it was Haskins who picked up the pin on Cruz, although it very, could very well have been Marty. <laughs> um... I should have look, uh, looked up the the results of this I've match got a, beforehand. I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling. Um, I've got a feeling it was Skrull actually, but I'm gonna look up the uh, results page because <laughs> right. we're stumbling in the dark here. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was Skrull rolling up Nathan Cruz to get us to the final two with Skrull versus Haskins. They had a very uh, entertaining few minutes of back and forth, uh, which. Pretty much uh, made up like the the work rate portion of the match, like good yeah. dueling chance, and eventually it, Haskins rolling up Skull for the win. This this last little segment was definitely the highlight of the match. Yeah, um, it got me excited for a future Skull Haskins match, which uh, is actually happening uh, not too long in Rev Pro. We're going to be covering that later in this episode. Um, but uh, these two definitely meshed well together. Um, they both got a kind of uh, technical and high-flying hybrid going about for both of them. Both of them used to be um, almost exclusively high-flyers and uh, since added 
more of a, a technical side to yeah, their game very similar. style. Not just in look, but in career path as well. Um, yeah, a lot of parallels. But yeah, this is a very entertaining section, and I think Haskins winning, I think we predicted this on the last show as well, um, but that's definitely the right choice moving. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure we actually predicted it. I think a lot of us said um, Cruz would be the guy oh, okay. likely to win, but Haskins was the guy who wanted to win, so uh, I was overjoyed when I uh, when I saw this. Um, and I, th- as I, I think it gives both guys good direction heading forward. I think Haskins is the perfect uh, first defence for the new Progress champion. We'll get to that in a moment. And Marty Skull now is almost like the bridesmaid of Progress, now that he uh, has lost the final two of both Thunderbarsed matches. Uh, he's lost two title defences early on. He got the semi-final in the tournament, but didn't advance further. And I think they're really starting to sell this now as a a story, an ongoing story for Skrull, in that he's a close and nearly man, but not quite the guy. Because uh, they they mentioned all that in his like profile, building up his match at Chapter 21. So this could definitely be a feature direction for him. Yeah, that that's what I'm thinking. Um, Skrull, um, his character at the moment is kind of hovering weirdly. Because in name, it's the villain. And uh, over in Rev Pro, he's working a similar character, but it's more... Um, you know, he's the head of a stable of heels and he does a lot of cheating. Mm-hmm. While in progress, um, he's, he's working the same gimmick, but doing it as a face, kind of. Yeah, he's um, got a weird dynamic. He's very over. He's not doing anything to cheat or anything. Almost like, I think a lot, almost like an anti-hero. I think a large part of it is that there wasn't space for him over on the heel side with, um, yeah. Jimmy Havoc's, um, you know, his his heel faction and persona being so overbearing the whole promotion. Um, but now with Havoc, the, the potential for him to be tra- either transitioning away from progress briefly into maybe... Um, I don't, I, I'm not entirely sure, but after so long being champion and in the main event, I can... There, there's definitely a space for... Um, for Skull, for Skull to go here, and with him going on this, coming close over and over and over again, I can see Skull being turned full heel, um, and him being an upcoming challenger eventually, um, with a full blown out feud with um, Osprey. Definitely, I was thinking more along the lines of a sympathetic babyface, like a. Finally, he gets over the hump and could be the next, I'm thinking long term here, and the next progress champion. Like, he's the guy who gets a win. I'm not sure how that would work against Osprey, but yeah, either heel or face, the character could work. There are definitely routes for him to go, and while um, going into this match, uh, I think we both said that Skull's character was kind of kind of floundering. Weirdly enough, in this, uh, even though we didn't win this match, uh, he came second again, same as last year. Um, there's definitely a lot of interesting directions for him to go in. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, before we get to the main event, do we want to talk about no commentary versus commentary? Well, if we just um, quickly um, we talked a lot about Skull, but we haven't um, 
talk too much about Haskins oh, actually yeah, uh, yeah, getting the win here. Um, um, Haskins, for me, perfect guy to win this and go on to uh, be the first challenger for Will Ospreay. Um, he's he's not a guy who particularly needs a huge storyline going in. Um, he's just he's a guy I'm very confident is going to go in there, have a match with Will with not a huge amount of build up, and still blow people away. Um, Haskins recently um, across the UK really um, has really seemed to be transitioned back into. Um, a very featured spot, while um, maybe six months ago he was he was still like used and um, prominent, but um, both in Rev Pro and uh, Progress now he's um, getting main events, getting a lot more of the spotlight. And as a big fan of his, uh, I I can't approve more really. Yeah, I think he's really turned up this year. I... Uh, he's impressed the hell out of me, and Osprey versus Haskins at Chapter 21 is definitely the highlight of that show. Uh, so, last of all, uh, but definitely not least, was uh, the main event of this uh, chapter, um, which was the the big one. Uh, it was, I think it's, I think we agreed it was fair to say um, last month that this is the biggest. Well, this was the biggest match in progress history. Yeah, definitely. And um, that's Jimmy Havoc uh, defending against uh, defending his progress championship, which he's held for, I think it's nearly two years now, or is it past two years? Um, well, six hundred over six hundred days, six hundred eight. Over six hundred days. Final number. I think it was slightly under two years, but uh, a very lengthy reign, longer than all the other progress champions combined. Um. Against Will Ospreay um, in a match that really has been building for at least a year and a half, if not more. Mm-hmm. But you couldn't have watched this match in a vacuum and fully appreciated it. Like you need the build, you need to have seen it over the year, or at least over this year, uh, to really appreciate it. Definitely, definitely. Um, this was a match that if you did watch it in a vacuum. It would. I could see someone not enjoying it at yeah, all. Yeah, this uh, you definitely you would have needed to watch at least their chapter seventeen match because this is almost like a direct continuation on from that with ha- with Osprey having taken like a level in badass by winning the Super Strong Style tournament. I like the whole the whole story. It has built itself essentially. Like they've done a fantastic job of making it all very logical and. Even if it was a little bit predictable that Osprey would win here, it was a very satisfying conclusion. Um, should we run through the match? There's a lot to go through. <laughs> and but, um, it was very difficult writing up the review for this one because there was just so much that happened uh, start at the beginning, I guess. Um, the entrances, they were pretty fun. Both guys got special entrances, made it feel like a big-time match. The stare down was intense, very well captured. And then all all hell broke loose. Uh, within the first twenty seconds, Osprey was diving out of the ring over the top rope, chucking havoc to the back of the room, throwing his head against the wall, putting each other through tables. Uh, like in the first five minutes, there was a burning hammer onto the chair. <laughs> a lot of stuff happened in this match. They they went they went way over the top. There's no way to to really. Yeah. 
say anything other than that, but this was the feud ender to end all feud enders, and in some ways it kind of had to. Yeah. It was anything less. It was definitely a match that put a definitive full stop on this feud. Um, they went over the top. They had they had tons of ref bumps. I think there were at least three. Well, no, they weren't ref bumps per se. They were Jimmy Havoc taking out the ref deliberately. Ref bump would be an accidental. Yeah. Bump. <laughs> Um, there was there was interference. There was a million finisher kickouts, <laughs> thumbtacks, table spots, all in the first few minutes. But if you followed this feud, and and you're invested, this one really worked. And it it was almost like the spots were logical. Like, of course, the referees had to be taken out by Havoc for Jim Smallman to count the pin, just like he had done to give Havoc the title initially. That that made sense. Um, the the finisher kickouts. I thought there was one too many. He uh, Osprey kicks out of three acid rainmakers, and uh, just as a from a purist standpoint, no one has ever even kicked out of two. So that seemed like overkill. I would have accepted two kickouts. Three was just one too many. I think. Mm, the the big that didn't necessarily annoy me a huge amount. I mean. As I said, there's a part of me that's saying, oh, they did too much. They yeah. went over the top. <laughs> but, but the thing that really, um, took this match down a notch for me was the axe spot. Uh, we talked a bit about it, um, last, last month, um, where Havoc set up this match, turning it into a DQ by, uh, holding, holding, uh, ransom Osprey by threatening to cut off his head if he didn't get the no DQ match. The axe was then brought back into this match, and while previously I'd I'd made the argument that it was okay because um, Havoc's character never actually intended to uh, use the axe; he was yeah. just using it as leverage. That's the way I justified it in my mind. In this match, it was very clear that Havoc was actually just going to use the axe, and for me, that kind of it kind of shatters the world of wrestling. I can't hold my a little bit, yeah. For that. I'm because not as if you, down if, on it. If as you're you are. bringing things like accident and no DQ matches, then it it opens up the door to why don't doesn't when um maybe not in the UK but in the US as soon as there's a no DQ match, someone just pull out a gun, shoot shoot his opponent. And yeah, win. it does open I up mean, the Pandora's box a little bit. Um, I, I wasn't too down on it. Um. Simply because it looked cool. I don't know. Watching it live, you just kind of accept it and move on. I never personally like a weapon that's brought into a match when there's no chance it can ever be used, and that's that's what this axe was. That that's kind of my line. Yeah. At least it had a uh, build up. Like at least it was established that Havoc had an axe and liked using it. Because <laughs> well, I've seen matches on the indie, on British Indies before where they've just whipped out a weapon like an axe or like a staple gun or a, something like that, and it's just like, oh, these guys have never even like talked before, and now they're trying to kill each other. It was a story point which kind of cushioned the blow, but I, it, it did take me out of it for a little bit, mm. um, which was a shame because other than that, I really enjoyed this match. Yeah, you want to. I want to be grumpy about it, but you, like certainly live, I just couldn't be grumpy because it was such an awesome spectacle. It was a progress car crash main event. I like to call them where it's just like this is the last match. 
that we're going to have, so let's just go like all out, throw in everything. Yeah. It was the perfect, you know, it, it perfectly wrapped a bow on this entire, not just feud, but this entire era of progress with Jimmy Havoc as mm -hmm. champion. And the craziness that had um, ensued during the whole reign, it kind of had to end like this. Yeah, it was a logical um, conclusion. While I'm not, like, I don't think Will really shines to his full degree in no DQ matches from what I've seen. And these wild matches, I prefer, I personally prefer him in the, um, you know, a more traditional match. It, it was what needed to happen here. Um, and, and in that way, it delivered. It's not something I'm gonna recommend for someone to check out if they just go through and cherry pick out a few matches. Cause as I said, in a vacuum, this could very easily be viewed as not just not a good match, but as a bad match. But when you've watched the whole storyline and you're invested, this works. Yeah, and when it came to the end, Osprey hits all his signature moves, like killing Havoc with everything he had, including the 630, which he hadn't been able to hit. That was a story point that they delivered on. Like, they, wrap they wrapped up two sub-stories to the Jimmy Havoc story. They wrapped up the Jimmy Havoc title reign, but they also wrapped up Osprey's uh, indecisiveness to using his 630 centon finisher, and they wrapped up Jim Smallman feeling guilty that he'd let Havoc win the title in the first place by taking it away from him by counting the pin. And I thought that was just very clever storytelling to tie those two loose ends up. Yep, so that's the... um. The end of our supposedly quick rundown <laughs> of that show. Um, uh, the the one other thing we wanted to bring up was uh, this show was actually up in um, two different forms. Um, one with commentary and one without. Um, you got the the live experience, which is obviously without commentary. But I think you said you also rewatched. I rewatched it, without, it commentary. without commentary when they first uploaded it. And um, yeah, <laughs> for reference, for reference here they. Um, they had, uh, for the first time, they recorded live the commentary, but uh, unfortunately they had some issues um, with the file corrupting, I think they said it was. They had to um, re-record uh, the commentary so that they, they initially put it up on their uh, streaming service without commentary, and then um, later on they put it on with commentary. Um, the two new commentators were uh, RJ Singh, who's um, a few... A few months ago? Maybe a bit longer than a few months now. More like but, a year um, Yeah, more like a year. Um, retired from uh, the wrestling scene um, in having his final match at Progress itself, um, who was very much a, a big part of the, uh, the scene for years before that. Um, and... Who's the one? Joel Ledley or John Briley? I can't remember. Uh, Glenn Joseph. Glenn Joseph. There you go. Neither of them. <laughs> right. The, and, and he was partnered with Glenn Joseph, um, one of the Progress co-owners. Um, they, they kind of had a hard job to follow. Um, previously, the commentary had been done by Jimmy Barnett, who was in no way at all related <laughs> to Progress um, co-owner Jim Smallman, uh, apart from being the exact same person. Um, but, uh, who, who, and he previously been a fantastic commentator. Yeah, very good um, with the minimalist style, which uh, I really dug. He, 
his commentary style kind of reminded me of Excalibur's from PWG. Um, maybe with a more uh, focused manner. <laughs> that kind of sounds like an insult to Excalibur. But I love Excalibur's commentary. Um, but more of a um, more of a kayfabe and focused style. But that that kind of aura. But uh, I think these two guys um, they did a good job. Um, they were definitely talking more than um, Barnett. Okay. Um, he, they, uh, there wasn't a lot of. While Barnett would often let um, let let the action speak for itself, and the crowd, being such a fantastic crowd, um, uh, carry the the uh, the audio. Um, they, I guess, to be expected with a two man team, they they were speaking far more constantly. Um, I'm not sure if I preferred it, but at the same time, I think they did do a good job. Um, and going forward, it may take a bit of time getting used to, but um, while they're they're following something very good, I think they they were they were good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to good. hearing their live recording. I think that will be an interesting thing to see how well they work with the crowd, with the atmosphere right in front of them. Yeah, because that emotion-wise, that's often something that um, you know if you're recording on tape delay, it's hard to get the emotion yeah. across. Right, so uh, I think that's uh, chapter twenty wrapped up. So um, if we move along to some of the progress news that has come out between shows, um, and the biggest uh, news, I'm not quite sure if uh, it. Fully come out when we uh, last recorded. I don't think so, actually. But Progress uh, is going to be starting to run Manchester shows, um, expanding out of their uh, London base. Um, so, so for for those not um, too familiar with UK geography, um, London's down near the bottom, um, down south, and uh, Manchester's uh, pretty pretty far up north. Um, to put it simply, so they're 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 covering a lot of the the UK, um, and they're they're making quite the big jump. Mm. Especially importantly, I think Manchester doesn't really have a big wrestling promotion in it, so they picked a a good city to spread to and not like invade someone else's territory. Yeah, and um, impressively, despite running on the at the other end of the country. Um, they they still managed to they've sold out, haven't they, or are they near selling I out? I think they've sold out. Yeah. Um, they might still have some standing tickets left. I'm not sure, but they uh certainly they all seated. Sold, they they definitely sold out the the initial um batch they put out, but I think they released some more tickets. But they're probably sold out as well now, knowing progress. Um, and um these added Manchester shows um along with what's going to be an increased rate of running the London shows mean that um, Progress's calendar uh, for the rest of the year and then going into 2016 is going to be a lot fuller. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot more full. I think it's That's 17 fair. chapter shows in total. Yeah, by the end of... Um, we're on chapter 20 that was we just went through. And um, by the end of 2016... Uh, 
December 11th was going to be chapter 40. Mm, so they're uh, having nearly as many shows in one year as they've had in the run so far. And uh, added to that, they're... Well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll just run through it all. Um, they're running a, a London chapter show every six weeks, um, up from every two months. Uh, and added to that, they're also running a Manchester show once every two months. Okay. Um, they're also going to be keep running their Endeavour shows, which are their student-run shows, every two months, alternating with the Manchester shows. And they're also adding a new type of show um, called Potential. Um, when you throw in some festival shows, which uh, I'm sure they're going to be um, running, as they have in the past few years, uh, and that uh, they're also going to be running the Super Strong Style 16 again next year, which will be a double header. Uh, it's like uh, and likely that uh, more potential shows that are yet to be announced uh, will be announced close to the time. Uh, it's probably progress is probably going to be running about 30 shows next year, which uh, in 2014 they only ran 16, so that's uh, nearly double. Mm. And then go back another year, back to 2013, they only ran eight. So uh, it's quite the jump, it's and a, uh, really shows how much progress is growing. It's a big expansion, uh, but clearly they think with the incredible ticket sales they're having that uh, they can run it, and I'm sure that they can. Uh, the potential shows, uh, that's PTNTL, <laughs> the new type of show, not just feature shows. Um, they're essentially exclusively Projo guys, Projo graduates, and Projo trainees working those shows, and it's something like £5 a ticket, so it's very cheap, um, yeah. giving so those guys the, um, experience. Yeah, the Endeavour shows were originally designed to give work and practice in front of crowds to the rookies coming out of the Projo. Um, however, lots of the guys that uh, made it out of there are no longer really rookies anymore by this point, uh, and several of them are at the point in their careers where they, they're, they're beyond the, the school show level. Um, they're, they're getting booked around the country just on merit now, not just because they trained at the place and that gets them work. Um, and while some, <clears throat> and while some guys didn't shine in their main show outings, uh, in the Natural Progression series, uh, there are some guys that are coming out of the Projo, um, are now on a level where they're getting onto the main shows purely on merit. Uh, like Will Ever, um, he, he's a guy who's now I think it's fair to say he's a regular on the main shows, um, and he's, he's definitely earned his way on there. It's not just because he trained there. Um, if that was almost any other UK company, they'd, they'd probably simply move on up and have main shows full-time. But the problem with progress is they already have a pretty huge pool of, pool of talent uh, that they, they draw from across it's the country. It's a good problem to have. <laughs> it is, um, and we kind of mentioned that early. Um, and they already can't get all of them onto the shows. Uh, even even guys that have come up through the Projo who are great, like Eva, until recently they weren't quite getting booked on every show because the um, the roster was just so loaded. And guys like Joey Lakeside, who are they're good enough to be an undercarder and midcarder in most UK promotions. They're not getting a sniff on the Progress main show just because of how how loaded the roster is because they're drawing from. The, the very best from across the whole UK, whole of the UK, and the UK seems pretty hot right now. Um, however, that leaves um, the current guys in Endeavour no room. That uh, sorry. However, leaving the current guys in Endeavour leaves no room for the newer actual rookies coming out of the Projo, um, which was the initial intention of Endeavour. 
So uh, the regular route taken by Progress would be to let their trainees spread their wings and try and improve so their level of wrestling and name is where they can become Progress regulars, um, which to a degree is what they're doing. Eva's now working FPW, SCW, Kamikaze, TCW, places like that. Um, but uh, Progress still wants to give their own guys work. They're, they, they've got kind of a family atmosphere with many of their trainers, from what I've seen anyway. Um, so they're launching a third tier of shows called Potential, which is going to be below Endeavor, and it will serve to be the real rookie show for their yes. guys that are coming out of the Projo. Then Endeavor's the in-between level, so the guys that are no longer really rookies, but they're not the very top guys in the UK scene yet. Um, and as such, can't get onto the progress main chapter shows. Um, and then, and then obviously you've got the chapter shows right at the top, um, which are really the meat of the, um, the, the progress universe. Mm-hmm. I think the restructuring of these shows, it'll streamline the talent pool a little bit better. It'll give guys who they haven't booked in a while a place to go to with Endeavor. With potential, that's a really good chance for their own Projo guys to get experience in front of the crowd, whereas in Endeavour they may not have had room. And then of course in Manchester shows, that's just a whole different kettle of fish. That's a, a whole new crowd that they're going to be able to, uh, uh, like, influence and spread to. And the guys in the north who they may not be able to book, they can now book. So guys like, I don't know, Martin Kirby, or the Midlands guys who I <laughs> keep uh, going on about, like, they can now get onto the Manchester show much easier, and you might even see guys working Manchester shows exclusively, so more established stars like Bubblegum, Zach Gibson, in the north, uh, yeah, I, will get, get better pull there. I could see them even pulling some of the uh, the great Scottish talent, which is... yeah. Emerged recently, like guys like Joe Kofi and um, yeah, Hendry and people like that. Like ICW's got a pretty great roster, and it's it's a long way for um, a lot of the Scottish guys to come down all the way to London. But uh, being in Manchester, that's kind of cut it in half for many of the guys. So um, it's definitely opened the doors up for, for even more guys. Uh, we we were talking about the uh, so-called problem of um, having two stacked a roster. Well, this might worsen with uh, inverted comments uh, inverted commas uh, that problem um, but again that's a nice problem to have yeah I'm looking forward to see uh, how it all works uh, should we move on to chapter 21 now previewing yep, that so chapter 21 um, you got the date for that I uh, September the 6th yeah so September 26th oh, sorry September 6th uh, sees uh, progress return for their the next chapter show. Um, as we mentioned earlier, they're now running them with a quicker turnaround. Uh, usually, it wouldn't be at least to the end of this month that you're seeing um, the next chapter show, but it's the beginning now of this month, and it's uh, already time for another London show. Uh, it's going by the name of. Uh, you know, we don't want to use the sit down gun. Maybe as a, a live. A guy who's uh, attended several progress shows live, you can elaborate on that? Um, generally, when people stand up, everyone behind them gets very, very pissy and tells them to sit down. 
but it's a, a reference to a very, very obscure Australian show that I, even I've never seen before, and I enjoy my obscure comedies, so make about what you will. Oh, I thought I thought they might have actually had a gun they fired at people no, to make no, them sit down. They might get one for the show. <laughs> I'm almost disappointed. <laughs> no, it, it's from a show called Danger 5 or Danger 7 or something like that. And there's this bird guy. I've never seen the show. <laughs> um, I want to though. It looks it looks quirky, <laughs> quirky and very cool. Yeah, progress should get some royalties for from that show. Yeah, <laughs> uh, gonna get some groundswell there. Right. So uh, there's currently five matches I think announced for that show. Uh, yeah. Um, probably one so, more at least to come. Yeah. Um, and um, you're seeing. The there's there's only um how many guys have they got announced so far one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve oh, wow. only twelve, only 12 guys, guys um announced for this show so far and as as a result of that there's a lot of guys who are considered regulars um who just aren't on the show and even with this one extra match unless it's some ten versus ten tag simply aren't going to get on. Um, I think this is a thing. consequence of uh, going monthly. You're just going to have shows where not everyone is on, and they'll cycle the roster a lot more. And I'm fine with that, personally. Yeah, like, definitely. It, it, it helps people from not getting stale. Um, guys like... You're very, very top guys, like your your Ospreys and your, your Haskins, and probably your Havocs are going to be on every show. Um, even though Havoc isn't, hasn't got announced anything yet i i can see him having showing up in some way or another i, I kind of hope um, they announce a jimmy havoc speaks segment just so he's on the show and like booked because i don't want to i don't want to have to know that he's going to come out at the end or to spoil the main event or whatever i'm um, like I'm, having not been announced if he's announced there's less likelihood of him showing up at the end and he's going to have a more firm part of the show, I guess, rather than knowing ahead of time he's going to come out at the end. I can't see him going strip... The, the, the Osprey Havoc feud seems so finished to me. Like, I can't see him interfering there. I mean, they could have him go away for a bit. That is an option. Yeah. He's just lost a hell of a match. It It would almost make sense for him to go away for a few shows. But Havoc is so synonymous with progress by now, I'm not sure they'd do it. They could have him maybe stay away till the Manchester show to have, you know, to make that Manchester show, the debut in Manchester, feel all the more special. But who knows? Mm. I'm, I'm intrigued. So if we uh, go to the, the first first match here. Okay, Jack Gallagher versus Pastor William Eva. Uh, another singles match for Eva, but isn't Natural Progression series, so he's getting a strong build here, and Gallagher's definitely a guy he can beat. Uh, what do you think of Jack Gallagher? I think... I'm not 100% sure on this. Um, my memory's not brilliant, but I think I've only ever seen him in one match, and that was against Haskins at the Super Strong Style 16. Yeah. It was Haskins, right? He didn't wow me too much there, but I've been told by friends who have seen more of him that he is good. So, um, 
Yeah, I just have to take their word he, for it, I guess. If he couldn't impress against Haskins, I'm hesitant. Oh, uh, that was the uh, like the second match of the tournament. It was short. It, it was. was it yeah. wasn't given a chance to succeed, basically. So he might I mean, get more of a chance. He's in to... there with. Yeah, he's in there with Eva now. Another guy like he could very well deliver here and gain a new fan in me. But if he doesn't deliver here, mm, I'll. I'll I'll uh, begin to build yeah. a grudge against him, similar to the way I have with Webster. Yeah, he's got to he's got to impress her. I think. Um, um, I imagine this will be the opener, and you know, um, I'm always into an Eva match, so I can't complain too much. Okay, uh, moving on to the Origin versus the London Riots. Uh, pretty big tag team clash, like two probably the two most established teams in progress. Uh. Possibly a number one contenders match, although that hasn't been announced. It could be one in theory. Uh, what do you see happening here? Um, I'm I'm a big London Riots fan. Um, so at the very least, I expect it to be a, a good match. Um, I'm not nuts about the Origin in terms of in ring, but um, the Lo- London Riots have good matches with everyone. Um, they're big guys who just have interesting brawls. Yeah. A lot of brawls I'm not into, but the riots managed to have them that captivate me. Yeah, they're very good at the woman um, style. They they're booked very strong. Um I think they've only ever lost one match in progress and that was an eight man um where they were exiled from progress. Um can you think of anywhere else they've lost? Um They lost a sing one of them lost a singles match to Danny Garnell. As a team, I think they've only lost one. Did they lose, um, like that eight-way, the four, the four, the fourteen tag team match on the YouTube, sh- the YouTube chapter show? I think they might have lost that one, or they might have won it. I thought they won that to um, get the shot at FSU. Okay, they won that then. <laughs> I don't know. But either way, they've been booked very strong. Yeah. But as you said, the winner of this does seem set up. To get a tag title match, and also and the, the origin team there would be the origin to get that match. Also, the origin need a strong victory. Like if they beat the riots, that would put them over big time as a threat. Because as we said, their booking has been very up and down. Like even just in the like the two chapters they've even existed, they've looked very strong and very weak almost simultaneously. So I think if they give them a win, give them something to sink their teeth into, give them something to brag about. Yeah. Um, in terms of what I think would be the logical thing to do, the Origin should win here. But what I'd be more into would probably be the London Riots winning because the Riots versus the Death Squad in progress oh, yeah. sounds fantastic. That could main event a show. I mean, I think. that could very easily main event a show. You're quite right. Um, they they have faced off before. Um, I think they've got a a YouTube match from. Um, Southside up on on YouTube. Okay. Um, but um, just with the progress atmosphere, that would be uh, fantastic. Um, I'm sure that will happen at some point down the line. I don't think they're going to set it up here, but who knows? Uh, the, the third match for return of Zach Gibson, Liverpool's number one, versus yeah. Eddie Dennis. Zach Gibson, they've really chosen the two best places. To run their shows, <laughs> to get over the hill. Yeah. 
Um, he he uh, has a Liverpool football fan gimmick, which of course gets uh, hugely over with a face for me as a, <laughs> a supporter um, myself. But um, to the majority of people, um, especially in London um, and Manchester, where they have a lot of their big rivalries, um, he is over huge as a heel. Um, it's not something that translates. Well, I can't imagine it translates brilliantly to. Um, mm. You'd probably have to have like a New England Patriots gimmick in America, or Dallas Cowboys, or something. I'm not but sure. But in the in the UK, it just works, especially in London, and I imagine it's going to be even more oh, yeah. over in Manchester. It's going to be fantastic. And Gibson is a great wrestler. He's not just a gimmick guy. He's like very. He's a very big guy, but he can also work on the ground. He can work power. He's very charismatic. He works for gimmick great. He works in spots that involve the gimmick. So, like, when Gerard slipped, he did the slip, like, on his next match. <laughs> Stuff that like that. Brilliant. Just... As, ma- as much as that made me cry, that was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of a lazy comparison, not just because of the name, but he does remind me a lot of Zack Sabre Jr. Oh, yeah, yeah. I loved their match at uh, Super Strong Style. It was a first first round match, so and well. yeah, and with Gibson's like little injury, like he had a broken finger, so he played that up before the match, and then and then Saber was like, "Well, I I don't need <laughs> to target your finger to win. I'm just better than you." And that was <laughs> and then he did it anyway. That was great. <laughs> the um, Dennis is a guy I'm just met on him. Like I'm indifferent. I he. He's fine. I, he produces yeah. good matches, but I'm yet to see him be great in any way. I I don't think he's found himself in a singles act in progress yet. I've, I've seen him singles elsewhere before, and he's been better than he's been in his singles matches in progress. He seems a little lost on his own without Mark Andrews in progress, because that was the, like, their gimmick was so big, a big part of the tag team division, that they were the yeah. tag team champions yeah. for a long time. And now he's just sort of wallowing in the mid-card, not doing anything, and he needs to find something to sink his teeth into again. I think maybe part of what doesn't help him, weirdly as this sound, is that he is one of the few guys booked on every single show. Yeah, they, he needs a and, break in the worst way. And if he just went away for a, a little bit and then came back with some purpose, something to do... That would really reinvigorate him mm-hmm. because he's he as you said he's just been floating since um, FSU, which was him and Andrews um, split up. Right, so then on to the uh, fourth match that's been announced. Uh, the return match for Chris Travis in progress versus Marty Skull, and it's great to see Chris Travis back from uh, his cancer. Uh, he's fully recovered now, and he re-debuted in PCW in July, I think it was. And uh, by all accounts, he looked very good, like fully back into match shape, which is excellent. And almost shockingly quick. Oh yeah, well. definitely. It's amazing how quick he's come back from like, <laughs> you know, cancer. That's that's like, a pretty huge injury. <laughs> a life-threatening illness, and <laughs> yeah. he's back in the ring eight months later. It's pretty impressive. It's amazing, and um, Chris is really a guy who, just before he went out injured. He was really a guy just bobbling under the surface, about to really, really break nice. out as a top guy in the UK scene. And he's really, luckily, he seems to have been put straight back into that, that echelon. 
maybe it's almost, I mean, obviously, it sounds like they're exploiting the symp- symp- sympathy, but that's, you know, obvious thing to do. Yeah, he's getting... They, uh... People already loved him, but even more reason to now. Um, he's going to be hugely over with as a face. Definitely. Um, and I'm just really looking forward to this match because oh, yeah. he's really good. These two will have it's great not, chemistry. It's not. It's not just the um, the 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 great story of him making a return. This Chris is really really good. Oh yeah, definitely. Like uh, he was a guy on the verge of breaking out just when uh cancer hit him. It was a really bad timing. Uh, but luckily he seems to have not had his uh, athleticism affected by it. Obviously a lot of hard work has gone into maintaining his physique, maintaining his skill, and uh, yeah, I think he's going to have a great return match. I think uh, he's going to be a feature guy moving forward, and he could very easily beat Skull here. I think I think perhaps he does beat Skull here, and that's the em- emphasis for the Skull heel turn. You you said you might see him going on a babyface losing streak, but I think perhaps he loses here, gets frustrated, attra- attacks um, Travis. Oh yeah, that would be better, a what better way to get over major a, a heel heat now yeah. than attacking someone who's just made his return from cancer? I mean, it it, it almost writes itself. It's too easy. <laughs> That's definitely something to watch out for. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the final announced match on the card so far, the Progress Championship, defended by Will Ospreay versus Mark Haskins, set up from the Chapter 20 and the Thunderbolted match. Haskins cashing in his title shot straight away uh, to set up this main event. I think this will just be a fantastic match uh, to put Ospreay over in his first defense. Yeah. Um, not a lot of storyline going into this one, but it's just you know, two for me, two of the the three best guys on the UK indie scene just having a match in a main event <laughs> for a big title, and yeah. it's gonna be great. Pro- um, yeah, progress can sometimes get in the way of themselves with the booking and like trying to make everything a story. And sometimes it's nice to just have a match, a really awesome match. And th- this is almost the perfect two two guys to just have a match together, um, because. While with a guy like Jimmy Havoc really lends himself to these long, intricate storylines, these two guys are just two guys who can go in there, have a match without any gimmicks, um, and just tell a story within the match and deliver. Um, you know, if you, for me, Osprey, Haskins, and um, Sabre Jr. are the three guys I really look forward to most on the UK indie scene. So this is. Somewhat of a dream match for me. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine it has happened somewhere in the UK over the last few years, but I don't think I've seen it. Um, so I'm, I'm hyped for it. Yeah, definitely. I've never seen these two face off before. So yeah, definitely. Both very hyped. So, uh, overall, that, that card is, is looking good for me. It's um, looking good for a show that isn't massively important in the grand scheme of things. No, there's not a lot of storyline stuff. Um, there's a little bit behind the origin of the riots. Um, not sure we mentioned that, but um, on one of the download shows, um, the origin put the riots through the table. But that, I don't think there was any real reason for that. That was just to set up the match. Yeah. Um, but um, the the three th- first three matches we mentioned, um, 
that I'm not crazy about them, but I imagine they'll all be good. Um, but those last two, Travis and Skrull, and Osprey and Haskins, um, they just... I, I can't imagine them not being <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, looking um, forward to it a lot. And there'll, there'll probably be another match thrown in there. Um, if you follow Progress on Twitter, they'll probably announce that on Monday. There's also the intrigue of um, what's Havoc going to do if he's there at all. So, yeah, a show I'm looking forward to. And um, a show I'm sure you'll have a review up on the site uh, for. Yeah, I'll write one up, definitely. And I'll also have um, the uh, my little article um, progress progressing how to progress through progress. The world famous how to progress through progress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, getting uh, hype worldwide. Who'd have thought it? Uh, just a forum forum thread, um, uh, which I'm not sure if we mentioned it last time. It's just um, for anyone who's looking to get into progress. Um, I've gone through every single show. Um, Given brief thoughts on each match, uh, thrown star ratings at them. So you can go through, cherry pick which matches you want to see. Because at this point, they're 20 shows in. Watching 20 whole shows is quite the undertaking mm. to jump into a promotion. But as the promotion's very much a storyline promotion, it's not the easiest to just jump in on. So if you're, you're looking for a guide on how to, um, wade into the waters of progress for the first time, um, uh, hopefully that's useful. Right, um, if we're moving on to, I think that's, uh, progress done for the, um, this episode. Yeah. Uh, we've gone pretty long already. Uh, <laughs> we'll try and wrap <laughs> things up relatively quickly. Well, I think wrap we, things up, we've still got a fair bit to do, but. Uh, what I, one thing I wanted to address, uh, in terms of, um, feedback from the first set of, uh, our first recording, was uh, the London-centricness. Um, this isn't me going, oh, someone's criticised us, I'm <laughs> <laughs> laughing at them. Uh, this is me taking the criticism on board and uh, replying. Maybe criticism isn't the right word. Constructive criticism. Than... Yeah, constructive criticism. I, I didn't take it badly. They were good points. Yeah, I, I um, thought uh, the feedback what... for our first show was very good, and we got some nice comments, we got some uh, constructive comments, and yeah, I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, thank, thanks for everyone who sent them to us. You can um, send them to us on our, either of our Twitter accounts or on the Voice of the Wrestling forum, where um, you can um, we have, we'll have a thread up for each podcast episode uh, in the podcast section. Um, so the uh, the constructive criticism that was brought up was the um, the London centricness of um, the first episode. Um, that that's a fair point. Um, as the Brit Rest Roundtable uh, in our initial episode, we covered two shows that took place in London, um, which didn't really cover the whole of um, whole of Britain. Um, but that was kind of a coincidence. Um, the two, I, I described the big three in the UK as Progress, RevPro, and ICW, um, and it just happens that Progress and RevPro are kind of centred in London. And those were the uh, two out of the three that we happened to be talking about the, the first episode. Um, with Progress now um, moving up into Manchester, um, that's kind of solved our problem for us. Um, yes. We're now not just covering London. Um, and of course, um, RevPro doesn't just run London. It runs across the south and it's expanding 
now, as we're going to be talking about relatively soon. Um, but as for the reason we're only really covering Progress Rev Pro, and we will be covering ICW a little bit, is, in general, they're just the... Not only are they the biggest free promotions, you could argue maybe Progress isn't one of the biggest because of, if you're looking at just attendances, but they sell out so quickly, and the international buzz 